Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of The Cap. I am John Durante, your proud host of the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am so excited today to have Lauren Heatherly from the Ohio State University. Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much, John. I'm so excited to be here representing Ohio State, you know, tuning in from Brooklyn, New York, which I hear you're from here. <laughs> Originally from Brooklyn, New York. Yes. I, I, I was joking with Lauren Pryor. I think we might even be related. <laughs> you know, you never know in Brooklyn. It's quite a big place, uh, but I'm so thrilled. I am a regional recruiter for Ohio State, so if you're confused already, it's okay. I'll catch you up. So I do live in Brooklyn, but I recruit for the Ohio State University. So I'm excited. That is awesome. And we and we love your energy, Lauren. So why don't we start by just asking you, you know, tell us about yourself as it relates to being an admissions representative. Tell us about your journey. How did you end up at Ohio State? Absolutely. So I have been with Ohio State a total of eight years now. Now, COVID time has definitely messed my, you know, my uh, my idea of time up a little bit, but I have been working for the university eight years, I believe. And before I moved to Brooklyn four years ago, I actually lived in Columbus and worked on campus for almost five years. So what I did was I grew up in Ohio most of my life. I'm not actually from Ohio or Brooklyn. I'm actually from New Orleans, but we moved up to Ohio <laughs> when I was young and I actually went to a small private school in Ohio. I didn't even go to Ohio State. Okay. That's the first secret I'm telling you <laughs> on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> but when you grow up in Ohio, you just are part of the Buckeye family in some way, shape, or form. And so I ended up working at the university um, in a roundabout way. I majored in social work. Believe it or not, you can't major in um, admissions counseling in college. Uh, you can't do that. You can't get a master's in higher ed, which we could talk about. But it wasn't my career path. But after I graduated from the university, I went to in Ohio, which is a small private Christian college. I actually worked there in admissions. That was my first job out of school. So I went to a small school, recruited for a small school, and then I ended up moving to Columbus and working for Ohio State, which is the largest university in the state. So you just never know where your path will take you, but I started working there. I actually worked in the financial aid office, kind of our student services, one-stop shop. And I found a love actually for financial aid, even though I had done admissions and I loved working with students, but I knew it was complicated and I wanted to help people. And I really wanted to help them understand that part of the admissions process. So I did that. I ended up getting promoted a couple times while I was there. And my last promotion was working side by side with admissions. 
So then when I quit my job and I said, I'm moving to New York, that's my dream, <laughs> which was my dream since I was a senior in high school. And I moved to New York. I said goodbye to Ohio State. A year later, when I was applying to grad schools, I actually got rejected, which we can talk about that. Sometimes <laughs> things don't work out the way you plan. Ohio State reached back out and they were like, Lauren, what are you doing? You have any interest in this position? I had talked to the person in the previous role. I knew her very well. And she was like, Lauren, I think you would be amazing at this. I think you would love it. I think you'd love the territory. The people would love you. And as it worked out, I got the job. And so I've been in this role now for, gosh, it'll be four years in October, John. So I'm so honored to represent the university and live in a place that I always wanted to live, but work for a university that I believe in with people I love, relationships I had already built before I moved out here. So I love the Buckeyes, could not love them more. And I'm kind of an adopted Buckeye, I like to say. <laughs> They've adopted me, even though I don't have an official degree yet. We'll see. I might get a master's here while I work here. So we'll see what happens. Well, we absolutely appreciate and adore your uh, efforts. I've seen you at many college nights. And, you know, your energy is just contagious. And thank you again so much, you know, for be a, being a part of this conversation. So, it's my honor. So my first question is going to be about what Ohio State offers students and what would be appealing to a student uh, in terms of wanting them to apply. But I have to mention, people think Ohio State and they think about the Division One athletics, which are phenomenal, and they think of the football games and the programs and the fact that it's right there in the heart of Columbus, which is a thriving city. But I have to tell you, if, if, yes. if you haven't seen the YouTube videos of the Ohio State University marching band, I mean, you know, they were doing oh, a tribute, uh, you know, a tribute to Chills. Michael mm -hmm. Jackson while the, they do the marching. They did not, the moonwalk? I mean, the Come whole on. marching band did the moonwalk, <laughs> you know, and then I saw recently uh, a tribute to the movie Top Gun. You have to see it to believe it. Yes. So all of you students out there yes. that are potentially, yes. you know, uh, marching band students, or if you're musicians, it's really something that you have to see mm -hmm. because it is so special, which leads me to my question. In addition to all of yeah. the obvious aspects mm -hmm. of the Ohio State University, what is it, Lauren, that you offer inside your classrooms and beyond that make it so appealing for students to want to apply? Yeah, it's Honestly, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. We could probably spend the whole podcast just diving into things <laughs> that are available to students, truly. And I, in my job, I consider myself a storyteller and a connector and really someone who's collecting all the stories that I've heard of Buckeyes former and Buckeyes current and Buckeyes to come. I mean, it's such a joy. And I will say, for me, one of the things I love to do in my role, especially for those of you that are listening that maybe are a little hesitant, you're not sold into the big school idea, right? You're thinking... That sounds really big. And if you Google how many students at Ohio State, it's like over 60,000 total from all our campuses and even our grad professional programs. But I want to share a couple of things I think are really surprising that I do think are such um, highlights of our campus. The fact that we are large allows us to have so many inroads for different interests, different majors, um, different opportunities outside of school that smaller schools just can't offer in the same way. So for example, if you are a student who knows, you know, I've got a couple majors I'm interested in, right? I have a couple of things that I really enjoy that I'm passionate about. I don't know how they're going to intersect. Our, like, the opportunities we have on our campus, we have over 200 majors, and within those majors, so 200 plus majors to begin with, which is, like, mind-blowing, right? Within those, we have over 500 specializations and minors. So what that means is there's a level of detail you can get to at Ohio State that other schools just might not have the opportunity to. So let's say within engineering, 
all different areas. You know, we've got mechanical, we've got aviation. We have these more specifics than other schools might offer, which for students that are really looking for that academic product, I like to mention that you can really almost choose your own adventure at Ohio State in that respect. And a lot of larger schools will probably say something similar where all of that is available to you there. But another thing I want to highlight that I think is surprising is that even within those programs, you might think, okay, but I'm going to be one of a thousand people, you know, as a psychology student or as an education student. John, we actually have a 19 to 1 faculty to student ratio. Wow. Which is shocking 19 to people. To I'm like, 1? 19 to 1. So that means for every 19 students, we have one faculty member. Right. So it is not that you are going to be in these ginormous classrooms. Something I debunk is that when I worked on campus, like I mentioned, I was doing some of the orientation, like greeting, you know, families all through the summer, doing those presentations. We don't even have classrooms, many classrooms on campus, large enough to hold 300, 400 students. Usually you think in your mind, it's like the movies where you got the, that's not the case. So the academic experience, while it's all varied, we have so many faculty and remember students, we are, and if you didn't know this, I shouldn't say remember, you may not know this, you know, we are a research one university. So basically that means we've got millions and millions of dollars coming in for research and our faculty are drawn to the university because they can take part in research in their field. You know, if you're going to teach a subject you absolutely like the most exciting thing about that would be able to participate in research continuing to learn more about this thing that you love so our faculty are coming to Ohio State because they love what they do they have access to research funds and they get to include you in that process so students can take part in research in any of those majors that I talked about so whether it be dance whether it be aviation whether it be um, education specifically being an intervention specialist whether all of those creative things I want students to know that it's possible to Ohio State and to have a relationship with your professor, with that faculty member, because there's so many of them that are coming. Not to mention, I think, like I said before, the classrooms are not all that big, so even the class sizes, what we tend to say that is, it's an average, right? But about 80% of students' first year classes have 50 students or less in them. Wow. So that's what I mean when I say it's still, it's a big school, all these resources, but wow, it actually becomes a lot smaller than you realize. And then once you get into your major, even smaller because like I told you 500 specializations that you know and minors that are focused in more detailed you know under the umbrella of education or engineering or business right Right. so I want students to know you get the benefit of all of those opportunities in the classroom you know but we've got the volume so internships a lot of students ask me about that you know Lauren you know just because there's so many students am I competing with everybody for that well that's I understand why that's the thought but because of our location, which we talked about, you mentioned Columbus a little bit earlier to me, and we'll talk more about that too. Because of our location, we have accessed all the resources right around campus, and not just right around campus, but all over, you know, essentially all over the world because of our, our you know, network and our reach and reputation. But right locally, students will begin internships earlier and sometimes more often than maybe schools that are large like us that are located in maybe a college town, smaller town area. They just don't have the capacity to send students right out their back door to an internship or experiential learning opportunity like we do. So students begin that often in their second year and then they may have another opportunity after their third year right before their senior year and then they're going to be applying to those potentially those employers that they did internships with and this is something we see across all all academic colleges, not just business, not even just um, health sciences, for example, because we have the Wexner Medical Center on campus. So the network that we've got and the location 
So all these resources, the location, the opportunities that are available to students, and then just think of the synergy that happens when you've got all students that are in this place for the same reason. You've got graduate and professional students that are there as well studying. It's such a wonderful energy. It builds such a beautiful academic environment for students. It creates this culture. You feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself because you are. And students going on to do amazing things because they are. And your peers are that way with you. And they're collaborative. There's not a scarcity mindset. You're not competing against you know, I'm not saying, I, I can't speak to what it's like to be at the Ivies, for example, right? But I can imagine some of these schools that tout themselves as the most academically competitive schools. There is that sense of competition very often. Whereas here I see students that are collaborating, sharing ideas. Hey, come over to this. Oh, yeah, I had this club I was going to. We've got over 1,300 student clubs and organizations. You all can be leaders. You know, it's not just, you know, 100 clubs, you're all competing for the same spot. You can all be leaders. You can all be in research, you can all be in internships, and you've got the access, you know, of the city. I didn't even talk about the city yet, but I hope, I think it's a debunking the myth of the big school means you're left out, and I see it, the big school means you're drawn in. You're, you're, you come into the fold, and you're given a chance to reach out and grab all those things. Well, that's an amazing introduction, and it sounds that there's truly something for everyone. I would think that what an honor to be a part of something that's larger than you and to be there and to be able to contribute in so many things, yes. whether it's the academics. I mean, I can't even imagine, I can't believe how mm-hmm. many majors there are and over 1,300 clubs and faculty <laughs> members. You know, and, and here's the thing. The freshman class, they are really happy. I read a statistic recently where 94% of your freshman yes, class yes. returned, which is astonishing because that's something that a lot of times we don't talk about in terms of how many people actually return so Mm -hmm. that's that's a wonderful statistic and really testament to the great work that you guys do in admissions and that the university does in terms of you know wanting to keep their students there and happy and thriving so let's talk about the freshman class what's their overall profile the current freshman class yes great question so we, and this is where I think, and every school is going to report something a little bit differently, and I always like to share some context about that for all of you, because when we talk about even our holistic review, which we might talk a little bit more later about how to navigate our process, and when we report out this information, we tend to talk about, we use the words class rank, which I know the schools that I recruit from tend to not rank. And actually, what we've found is across the country, there's less than 50% of high schools that rank anymore. Back in my day, my my high school did do class rank. I didn't really know what it meant. I wasn't really sure entirely, you know, how I compared, or I didn't really feel like it reflected much about me. But I will say that is a number that you'll see Ohio State report out about our class rank. So I kind of have to translate that for the students that I work with at schools that don't. So I'm like, okay, so here's my translation of when we talk about class rank. We have about and I would say now it's probably, it was probably like 89% of the students that we admit fall within the top 25% of their class. And so what that means to you all at a school that maybe doesn't rank, um, we are looking at you in your context. So that doesn't, first of all, it doesn't negatively affect you that we're reporting out students that are ranking in the top 25% and everybody that doesn't rank isn't admitted. That's not the case. Obviously, we admit tons of students that whose schools don't rank. We take a lot of information from your transcript and all relevant academic information is really found there, and especially now that we've gone test optional, which we can talk about, <laughs> we really have a stronger focus on that transcript and the information that's found there. But also we take into consideration your context. So we get something called a school report from your high school that tells us a little bit more about 
your student, you know, what's available to you, the students that are there. Sometimes on that school report, it'll give us like a quartile that says, you know, most students fall within this GPA range, for example, they're considered like the top quarter of the class. So there are some schools that will give you a sense of where you fall amongst your peers. But if they don't, what that tends to look like for us, um, GPA wise, every school does a different scale. So I won't even give you a number. I never give students a particular number because then they hold themselves to that and you'll see someone admitted below that. But we're looking at students who have taken advantage of the rigor at their high school. There are some students that don't have access to a school that maybe has a lot of APs or even dual enrollment or IB, right? So what was available to you? Did you take those courses at an increasing level over time? So the top 25% of your class means you probably took rigorous courses over the time that were available to you and you received mostly A's and B's in those courses. That tends to be the way I scale it back to let students understand. Our students are taking not just the minimum required, so not just um, potentially three credits for math, for example. You know, you're taking all four years of math. You're taking, which I'm sure SIOS it probably holds you to in a lot of ways. Some schools will hold you to that. Other high schools will give you the flexibility. Oh, you don't have to take math. Well, we're saying students that are admissible to Ohio State are absolutely taking the minimums, but they're also sometimes exceeding that. They're taking an extra science class here and there. They're challenging themselves. They're beginning maybe with, you know, an honors. Maybe then they're moving up to an AP, you know. So those are the students that tend to be admissible and the bulk of them are falling competitively amongst the top quarter of their graduating class. You know, they look really competitive amongst their peers. When it comes to ACT or SAT scores, over the past few years, we have reported out the average, you know, ACT um, is a 29, SAT being a 1330 in comparison. That's kind of um, the average that we state, but because of test optional, it's been a little bit different. So we went test optional two years ago, We and so we we are reporting on the students that submitted to use their test scores, right? Here is what the average has been. So it doesn't mean that if you don't have that test score, that you're not admissible. <laughs> I want to say that loud and clear. It doesn't mean that if you submit a test score below that, that you won't be admissible. Sometimes, John, we talk about, I'm not sure if other schools have mentioned this too, like the middle 50% of, of students that are admitted fell within a range of, and I always have to remember the number of the... Um, SAT because Ohio State, the state of Ohio tends to do AC, ACT, but my states do SAT, so I'm always hearing their numbers. So my states, New York and New Jersey, fall between 1270 and 1420. So the middle 50%, but that means 25% of students that were admitted scored below a 1270. 25% of students that were admitted scored above that. It doesn't mean just because you score above that that you're guaranteed to be admitted. So those are metrics that help inform like the rest of our holistic review. They're part of the nine holistic criteria we look at. Um, and I know that's pretty broad, but that's because we have students applying from all over the world and every context is a little bit different. So maximize what you have where you are, take advantage of that. And the students that are doing that, that are really trying to challenge themselves where they are, are the ones that we look at to be admissible and successful at Ohio State. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. 
So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code college talk, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. So whether you're preparing for the SAT, ACT, or need a one on one tutor, Prep Expert has the tools and expertise to help you. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. And I and I love the way you explain that comprehensively, the 50% in the middle, the 25, the 25, which leads to my next question, yeah. which you already started to answer, yeah. the average, right? And I don't even know what average means. Well, let's say if you fall below the average, <laughs> right? what advice would you give to a student who falls below the average, but that really wants to be at Ohio State. Maybe it's because, you know, they want to have multiple options in terms of majors. Maybe they want to do the moonwalk with the mm-hmm. marching band. Yeah. What, what would you say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they come see our, <laughs> yeah. come see the, mar- listen, the marching band. We're never going to stop talking about that because they've been on, a, they've been on an Apple commercial. Okay. So I was very proud when I saw that. It's a great question. And I, you know, one of my jobs as admissions counselor is to really, you know, hear from students and help them see how to be successful, how to successfully represent themselves in the application to Ohio State. You know, and every school is a little bit different. So when I talk to a student who tells me, you know, Lauren, you know, I, I have below a 1270 and, you know, but I, I took it a couple of times and I feel really proud of that score. And I'm just curious, like, should I send that or not? Test optional for us really does mean we leave that up to you. There are some students who for them and in their context at their high school, a 1270 is well above your peers, you know, and you know that you've worked really hard and that that's something you're really proud of that you feel like represents you academically or at least partially because your transcript tells us a story as well, right? So I never discourage a student that is asking me, you know, Lauren, should I send a score or not? I'm never going to say don't send a score. I do, I do share the context with you that I just shared and I tell you that this is part of the rest of our holistic criteria and we are going to look at all things so for you if you feel like you know I received below a 1270 and I just I didn't have the opportunity to take it as many times as I wanted especially during COVID times that's why we initially did that there are many I mean I had students saying we went out of state to take a test we don't want people to have to do that just to apply to Ohio State right we want you to be safe and we want you to feel confident in the opportunities you've had to take it so if you didn't that's okay completely okay. Or if you took it and you're like, you know what? I don't feel like this test score really represents me. My transcript tells you a better story about myself and my consistency over time, how I've challenged myself and my grades, all of that. That is totally fine. Optional for us really means it's I leave that up to the student. Now, especially if you are a student who when you look at our other holistic criteria, which we can talk about, but it's 
big picture things like leadership, you know, what are you excited about coming to contribute and engage on our campus and contribute to the diversity on our campus, diversity of region, diversity of who you are and what you bring to the table, right? So all these things are playing into alongside the academic info. And so if you feel like I'm, I'm a really engaged student, you know, I'm a leader, I, I just didn't do that great on this test and I don't feel like this is really me, leave it out. If you feel like, you know what, I'm an engaged student, all those other things about me sound like what Ohio State's looking for, and I'm on the lower end, but I really feel like, you know, this was a good score for me. Send that score. And I, I, I hope that helps because I'm never going to tell you. I have not seen, I've not been able to, even as a counselor, to look at my admitted students and say, oh, if it's below this. Now, if you are far below that, I would say let's talk about why you're considering sending it. You know, what are your reasons for that? And I would want to hear that from you. But ultimately, it is up to you. I just give you the information to make that informed decision. And we're never going to discourage someone from sending a test score just because it's optional, you know. So, but either way, we're reading students the same way. I, the way I describe it to John, I don't know if this is helpful to students, but if you think of holistic criteria or whatever school saying they're looking at as like nine legs on a table, you know, a table doesn't <laughs> even need nine legs, right, to hold up. <laughs> but you take out one leg, which is the test score, you still got eight legs holding it up. There's a lot of information there without a test score that we have that we can know about you academically. Um, and so I just want to make mention of that, too, because I think people are really nervous about this no test score thing. Are they looking at numbers saying, well, students with a test score, are they getting more opportunities? We can talk about that more later, but it's I want to encourage you that if you remove that, we still have a lot of information to know about you. That is that is a tremendous analogy, extremely yeah. helpful, and you know it just emphasizes the point that it's not a one right, size right. fits all. You know, it's a very complicated process, which is why, you know, we put shows like this together to really help students and their parents navigate through college admissions. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So you have a ton of majors, as you indicated mm -hmm. before, hundreds and hundreds. So if I'm applying, should I declare a major or go undecided? What are the advantages of each? Great question. And once again, this is something that can vary based on the school. But for Ohio State, you will have to be you will have to select a major as best you know at this moment when you apply right on your common application. You will have to choose a major. You don't have to choose a minor at that point. You don't have to choose a double major at that point. I believe you can also indicate like a pre-professional interest, you know, if you're thinking you're going to be pre-physical therapy, pre-med, pre-whatever. You can choose that there. Something to note is that we are major blind in our admissions review. And what that means for Ohio State, which is different than other schools, there might be some schools who are reading you according to your major. We are reading for the university as a whole. We're looking at you, would they be successful at Ohio State in general, even if they change their major three times in the first year, right? We are looking to see, would you be successful? And then once you are admitted, you are directly admitted into your program. Now, that can get a little confusing on, you might get a letter and say, oh, I'm admitted into pre engineering or pre-business or pre-nursing, things like that, because at every university, and this is, this is get into the weeds, students, but you'll keep this in the back of your mind for when you enroll, you'll think, hold on, am I a pre-major? Am, am I a direct admit into the major? Sometimes you'll be direct admit into the academic college. So I want you to know at Ohio State, first things first, we're not reading you any differently on your application depending on your major. So an undecided student doesn't look like indecisive. We actually call it, John, we call it Exploration. University exploration is the major for undecided because you're exploring all of our opportunities if you come to Ohio State. We don't read a business student any differently than we read a dance student, right? Something that I think students can get you know, hung up on is that, oh, if I'm not admitted, is it because I wasn't competitive for my major? That's not the case for Ohio State. 
Okay, and some schools might do that. They might not admit you to a major, allow you to reapply. For us, it's would you be successful? And then if you're admitted, then we kind of move you through to the academic college to talk about what it's required to be in your major, to choose your specialization. All those details come after you've been admitted. So it makes no difference to us. So I hope that's encouraging. And I have students right now that, you know, are like, hey, can I change my major? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> you can change it even all the way up until orientation. We do send you to orientation based on your major. So I'd like you to know by then. But you can be in touch with me in the meantime if you're not certain, you know, if you think you might want to change it or add a pre-professional designation on there as well. That's great. Great advice. And I know you get a lot of applicants. So my next question is, mm -hmm. do you conduct on-site interviews, whether it's in person or obviously now, you know, everything is on a Zoom. Do you conduct those types of interviews? And if so, what advice would you give a student in terms of preparing for such a, uh, an interview? So glad you asked this question because especially, I don't know if I'd mentioned at the beginning that I am the New York, New Jersey territory manager for Ohio State. And so every area of the country operates a little bit differently, am I right? So it's just how it goes. One of the biggest questions I get asked about Ohio State is how can I show you how interested I am? Right. And so how can I or can I interview with you, Lauren, or, you know, how can I make sure that you know who I am, which I completely understand that because you sometimes people don't really feel represented on paper. I know I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, if you read about me, you won't experience Lauren. So how could you experience me? Now, one of the limitations, I mean, it's a blessing to have so many applications. Right. We received over 60,000 applications this year, which is unbelievable. The most we've ever had. But the downside in that respect is that we simply cannot manage an interview process. We do not have an interview process as part of our admissions requirements or even for deferred students or waitlisted, any of that. We don't utilize interviews. So we truly just look at the information that you included on your application. We don't measure interest either. So we don't measure how many times you come to campus or you know how affiliated you are with the university because once again, a blessing is that we have over 500,000 alumni that are all over the world. Everyone has, not everyone, but a lot of people know someone has some sort of affiliation. So I want to make clear that we don't utilize that. Um, and I want to say this, I think it's helpful to know where to put your energy. You know, Ohio State doesn't do that, but another school on your list might. So how can you get prepared to make sure you're telling them how interested you are versus, you know, reaching out or expecting that that's part of what we measure for admission, which it's just not um, for a lot of reasons. But size is definitely one of them. No, and I appreciate that insight. That's fantastic uh, information, again, for students, parents listening in. What are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? You know, in other words, when you read them, you mm. thought, man, I, I have to meet this kid. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, wow. I love to read applications. I've done it even before I took this role about four years ago. I was doing it when I was on campus working in the financial aid office, working closely with admissions. I had the opportunity to be an application reader. And you know, it's funny, I was sitting down trying to think about that, like a specific story, because I'm sure that's what people want to hear. But I think what I, what this might be my personality, John, it might just be the way that I operate, <laughs> but it's more how things leave me feeling. And there tends to be mm -hmm. themes that come up that are really, I think that are really special when a student takes time through their application process to really be self-reflective, um, to be self-aware and consider how, instead of just sharing about a moment in time that might have impacted you or a particular subject that you're really interested in, really searching inside yourself for a second, which maybe, you know, no one's ever asked you why that mattered to you. You know, maybe you haven't even asked yourself why you love this thing so much. But taking a second and maybe even using the time to prepare for the essay to think about why you are gifted the way you are and what your strengths are and what people say about you or what they've pointed out in you or what a particular moment 
has done for you in, in regards to growth. And I know you might think, well, I'm only 17 or I'm only eight. There's a lot that you've learned in your life up until this point. And I think the essay is just a moment to share a little bit more about who you are, what you've realized maybe are some of your strengths and maybe challenges that you've overcome, or even if it's not a challenge, just something that you're really drawn to, you're excited about. That gets us excited to read about because we can see that you have some sort of vision for who you are and who you're becoming and that that could continue at Ohio State. So I consider the essay, especially because of, like I told you before, we don't utilize interviews. So the essay is you telling me about what you care about and what I love to see on the application is maybe some common themes, you know, even through your involvement. It's not about how many things you have on your list, but are there some common things that maybe you've just stuck with over time? And not even, I'm saying you got to stick with it from freshman year on, but just things that you care about that you've given time to, and then you kind of expand a little bit more on on that and why that matters to you because that helps us know you as a person and those are really special and then the counselors counselor (laughs) letters come in and they tell us a little bit more it gives us a picture of a person that we've never met so I really appreciate those that I can tell students because sometimes it really inspires me I walk away very moved to think about myself and what I'm offering the world um, when students are reflective like that so yeah, I, I hope that's helpful. I know there's not a specific story. I probably do have some very specific stories, but I don't want anyone to think, oh, that's the kind <laughs> that they want. I love them all. <laughs> Any of those prompts I'm looking forward to, you know, I think we hear from all counselors that there's some that come up a lot. But even the jokes about, you know, sports injuries that people will say, don't write an essay. I have had some really impactful sports injury stories where a student has really reflected on how my identity was this. And I realized, wow, I, there's more to me than this. And I came up with something different that I want, you know, out of learning about, you know, when I've been down that I, gosh, I'm, I'm not just this athlete. That is a huge part of me, but there's more to me. So I've, I've had some really impactful sports injuries essays as well. So be encouraged. Well, that's really helpful because, you know, again, it emphasizes the point to students that, look, as an admissions person, you re- you receive their transcript, yes. the courses, the rigor, the grades, it's all there in black and white. Mm-hmm. But the essay is really an opportunity for the students to shine, to really yes. let their personality come through so that you could really see whether or not they're a fit for Ohio State. Yes. You mentioned the guidance counselor's uh, letter, which, of course, is key. And shout out to all the guidance counselors out there who do yes. tremendous, tremendous work. Some of our favorite people. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, another piece to the puzzle? Also, you know, people that do tremendous work, our teachers, you know, the teacher letters of recommendation. What exactly are you looking for in those mm-hmm. letters? Yeah, great question. So sometimes I talk about the application like a business proposal. It really depends on who I'm talking to, right? The total application. So if you're thinking about it from, let's just say it's a business proposal and you're like, Lauren, I want you to pick my, you know, my business to invest in and I want I want you to see all that I have to offer. I think of all the pieces of the application as parts to that proposal, right? Or parts to that story, however way you want to see it. Especially because I've told you that Ohio State doesn't utilize interviews. We're not measuring interest. We're nothing. We're using nothing outside of the application and those supplemental materials, which we did, John. We did make um, our letters of recommendation optional a few years ago because we did see that sometimes because we we're waiting on letters to come in, it was making students late for early action. But I really see them as a very valuable part of the application if they are not redundant to what's already been shared, which I know sometimes teachers and counselors don't necessarily know what the essay is or what, you know, the students shared about their activities involvement. Some very much do, and they'll kind of rehash what's already been shown on the activities list and even in the essay. I find the most effective ones are when 
this counselor or this teacher has a perspective on you. So look, I got light shining on me. I'm getting a, I'm getting an example of an image here where it's like, there's, you are a diamond, you are different facets. There's different facets of you. If someone can shed light on a different part of you that perhaps isn't brought up anywhere else on the application, that is so valuable. So for teachers that are writing those letters, perhaps there's a specific quality that you really admire about this student. You know, students don't ask teachers that you don't actually have a relationship with. They got enough work to do already. You know, don't feel like you have to do that, right? If you feel like, no, I've really represented myself well here and my counselor has as well, then it's okay. You don't have to send, you know, two more letters to us. We, if there's new information, if there's something else they can shed light on, sometimes it's helpful because maybe you have gone through something difficult and a teacher knows about that. And perhaps you didn't share that in your essay, which you don't have to, right? There's actually another part on the application, the Common App, called additional info section. Sometimes I ask students to use that if they feel like there's nowhere else for me to share that this was going on sophomore year. And I did have a dip in my grades, but this was happening. Sometimes I find recommendation letters can fill in the gap of that story for me as a reader, because I'm not going to make up something that's not there. I'm not going to make an assumption about you. So utilize all parts of the application to tell a full story. And if a teacher letter contributes to a different part of you that's not shared, absolutely submit that. That is excellent advice because many times in a college recommendation letter, I would imagine that you would see information that's already shared on the transcript, the activity right. sheet. Not to be redundant, you know, the word that you said is, is key advice. And I think mm -hmm. another piece of advice, again, for the students is for them to really to advocate for yourself. When you're speaking to a teacher right. and, and asking them to write the letter of recommendation, if you are part of, for example, the DECA club, you know, I would imagine that the DECA club and all the great things that you do in it, mm -hmm. it's, it's probably already listed on your activity sheet and elsewhere in the application process, but mm -hmm. maybe something happened mm -hmm. at a competition that we wouldn't know about. And to specifically ask the teacher That's to good. elaborate on, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was, a, it was a time when, you know, you really uh, took the lead, stood up, and, you know, had an idea and was able to bring people together to bring that idea to fruition as part of whatever it is you were doing in yep. DECA. Don't be bashful, in other words, to ask the teacher to talk about mm -hmm. those kinds of specifics because it's yes. only going to enhance your application. That's right. That's right. And I even think something to mention, too, I've seen that it stood out to me when I first became an application reader, and I've seen it more happen a little bit more often now. If you do have a class that at your particular high school is just a tough class, right, and maybe you've got a B minus, and maybe you're a mostly A student, but you worked your tail off in that class and you asked for help and you were able to, you know, access the resources available to you to talk to that teacher to make a relationship, especially because to me, if you're doing that now and you're able to advocate for yourself, just like you said, that's going to come into college with you and especially being in a large school we're going to have all the resources available to you but you have to access them you know you have to reach out sometimes and so I think showing us that and a teacher I've had students that have picked that teacher from that hard class because they they've got a perspective you might not think you'd want the teacher from your you know the class you got a C in to write a letter about you it wouldn't be your first choice you'd want the A plus class but I really admire when I see a student who has worked very hard to earn a grade or maybe they were down and came back on those last two tests but it didn't turn your grade around those are really telling to me because not only do I see that you know you worked really hard and you tried and you're willing to try to overcome obstacles but you also 
are not afraid to confront your weaknesses and admit that to a teacher. So that's pretty powerful when I see that. Or even like you said, club advisors are, are great because they can give another perspective of you and your leadership. You might not tell a story about what happened in DECA club on your essay because you might have chosen something else more significant, but they can tell a whole other story about you. So absolutely agree. I think they can be a really strong part of the application, especially for a school like us that doesn't utilize interviews. So right. choose them wisely and not just passively because you think that student likes you the mo- or that teacher likes you the most or they're the most fun teacher. Like really sit back and think, hmm, it's okay sometimes to reveal weaknesses because you've confronted them. That's a strength. So I love it. I absolutely love that you talk about the holistic approach and that, you know, you gave the example of if you scored a low grade in a class, right, actually asking that teacher to elaborate, you know, in terms of your strengths. I love that. And I want students to hear Mm -hmm. that one grade does not define you. Come on. You know, there are four years, (laughs) there are four years of math, science, social studies, English, all of the electives that just go on to the transcript. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, it's all the co-curricular activities, clubs, athletics Mm -hmm. that you participated Mm -hmm. in. So don't ever let one grade define you because it simply doesn't. That's right. It just, it just doesn't. I guarantee I could tell you, ooh, you want to know about some grades that I've had, okay? And, and look at me. I have a job, okay, at this university. That's pretty awesome. So I, I always tell students, I'm like, you know, and it, I have, I'll be honest, I, there have been times I didn't ask for help, and I should have. And so if I can encourage you students, like, it is never, oh, you're not weak to do that. You may have just biffed it the whole first part of a class because you were going through something really hard. Obviously, we've been going through a hard time with the pandemic. But you can turn it around for someone that's listening. You know, you can turn around and ask for help and admit that you have been just avoiding it or whatever. You can turn it around. And that actually is such a great skill for college because college in college, you will get knocked down. There will be some class that just even if you're all a student, top of your class, ooh, you will be humbled in college. And I think it's how you recover from that. You know, athletes, you know, like how, how do you bounce back? What are you going to do once you get injured? And you, do you strength train? You, you do. You have to build that strength back up. So never be afraid to admit that and to, to turn it around. And colleges, you know, we admire that. I love it. Thank you so much for the insight. Let's talk about the college athlete. Can you talk about students uh, aspiring to be athletes at Ohio State in college? How does the process differ for them? Mm-hmm. Great question. So one of the biggest things that I remind you know athletes of, if I do talk to someone that potentially is a recruited athlete, they have to be admitted too. So they've got to talk to me at some point, right? You still have to apply the same holistic review applies. You've got to walk through that same process. So even if I do meet someone that maybe has been in touch with a coach that I will know nothing about, you know, in my office, it'll be separate from that. We have in admissions, we have a liaison with athletics that really helps us to honor the NCAA guidelines, just gives us a little bit more insight about what that looks like. But that's really separate from the admissions office for good reason. But Essentially, all athletes still have to come through the same holistic admissions review. They're not, I think a lot of people ask me that, like, do athletes still, absolutely, you still apply, you know, you still are eligible for merit scholarships, even if you're being offered potentially athletic scholarships that we may know not anything about, Um, you will, if you do decide, if you do get admitted and you are a recruited athlete and you're working with your coach and they're offering you scholarships, you're actually going to have a specific financial aid liaison that only works with student athletes because it's a whole different process for financial aid. And then we have entire offices dedicated to supporting student athletes. So 
they, everyone begins the same way, you know, on the entry point, they're going to begin that way. Um, I like to tell students, especially because I tend to meet students at college fairs that may be their junior, senior year, um, and to tell their coaches if they are interested, let's say they haven't been recruited by Ohio State yet, and they're curious about, you know, the clearinghouse, how does that work, how do I get registered? Some people hear about that quickly from their high school, maybe their, you know, their high school does some sort of training on that, because a lot of athletes do go on to play in the NCAA, but... Some schools might not. You really need to be in touch with your coach at your high school to let them know, here's the schools I'm looking at if you're not already being recruited. So I tend to find, as an admissions counselor, most athletes that are being recruited, they know a lot more about the process than even I do because it is separate from me, but they do still come to me in regards to making sure they meet deadlines, you know, how can we be considered for the most aid possible, you know, the basic questions that I get. Now, for those of you that aren't recruited, you know, if, if I meet you in your senior year and you haven't been recruited, I'm, 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 I'm always like, mm, if you haven't heard from us, I'm not saying you can't come and walk on or something, but it's a, you know, come on, like this, is, we are <laughs> division one. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's not possible. I don't know your skill set, right? But I'm always very honest about that. I'm like, you know, be in touch with your coach or your athletic director at your high school and kind of work on that process. We do have for some of our varsity sports, there is like a recruit form on our website, which I believe is ohiostatebuckeyes.com. I think some of the more, I think football and basketball may not have that recruit form on there. That may be a more internal where like, if don't call us, we'll call you kind of model in that sense. But some of the others do have a recruit form. So you're always welcome to ask me if you can't, you know, ask your admissions counselor, ask me if you can't find it. Um, and I can send you that form to fill out to make sure that they know like that you're on their radar. Sure. We have a lot of students that come to Ohio State because obviously they've loved sports. They love our teams, but they also just love the field of athletics. They love, they want to continue on with their own athletic talent. We have club sports teams that are also competitive, right? So they're playing other Big Ten club teams. And some people might compare our club sports teams to even some Division Two, Division Three schools. You know, I have folks that are deciding, you know, I may not... I'm getting recruited by this D2 school. I don't really have as much money, but I'm, you know, I received merit aid from Ohio State and I could play, potentially try out and play club sports. They do tournaments as well. Um, and so that's a really competitive market. But then we also have our rec sports. We've got levels to athletics here. So we've got our varsity, we've got our club sports that are competitive, that are competing against one another. But then we have our rec sports and even with probably within rec sports, people that are joking around having fun and then people that actually played in high school. So absolutely, if you love sports, that you will not be short of any opportunity to play, whether it be a pickup <laughs> game, whether it be officially on one of our teams. We've got you. You've got opportunities to do that. We have one of the largest rec facilities on any college campus in the nation. It's beautiful. There's like two Olympic-sized swimming pools, rock climbing wall, all kinds of classes you can take. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and that's just one of the gyms on campus, but that one is huge. So we, yeah, there's every opportunity um, to be involved. Outstanding. Outstanding. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask the same question that I did regarding mm -hmm. student athletes. What if someone really is an outstanding yeah. musician and would be interested in playing in the Ohio State yes. Marching Band? Any insight in terms of what that would look like yes. for a, um, a student musician? Yes, so I believe, and actually I need to check my work on this because it's been a while since I've looked at their website, especially because COVID stopped a lot of things like clinics and stuff that we've done over the summer that you can come practice for. And I know sure. out-of-state students, that makes it a little bit more challenging. So I always like to do a little bit of research and, you know, get those students that are out-of-state considering the marching band um, in touch or even on, they have a pretty 
pretty robust website that I think kind of details out when tryouts are, when to be expected to be there. But any student can try out for the marching band. You don't have to be a music major to be in the marching band, which is something that I think is a common myth that you might debunk, like, oh, I'm not going to be a music major or a minor. That is totally okay. Um, the marching band actually... I believe has tryouts. I don't know if it's right before school starts, but they will, like I said before, host some clinics and they have a interest form as well on their website as, as well, I believe, which I can get you that link afterwards and we can put this in the show notes so that folks know. Um, and they honestly, I think they practice more than some of our athletic teams do. So when I tell you the commitment oh, I level, it. I mean, it's like 20 hours a week practice. I and it's, yes, I mean, unbelievable. And there are there aren't as many scholarship opportunities. I know that they've been trying to raise money. They actually I got to see them. They came to New York City for the parade before COVID happened for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And we did Amazing. they did um a practice like performance in the Hammerstein Ballroom in Manhattan. And I was there with alumni out. They were trying to raise money also for scholarships because there are some scholarship opportunities for the marching band, which is encouraging to know because they work so hard. They absolutely deserve it. Um, but it is extremely competitive. Um, but they do have, I mean, you could audition let's say the first year you audition and you don't make that, you could audition every year if you'd like. And if you're not, it, you know, you're not offered a spot in the first year, from my understanding, you can even, you still can participate in a couple, at least a few different um, ensembles, music ensembles that aren't, there are some that are for major, you know, music majors only, but there's still quite a few other opportunities or even some of the pep band that maybe are not at the football games, but they're at basketball games or, you know, so there's other ways to still be involved to use your musical talent. Please highlight that on your application too, that you have a musical talent. That's an activity. That's something that you're involved in. That's actually one of our holistic criteria, special talent or gift that you have. So we really love to see that. Um, and you can be a music minor or take lessons, you know, even if it's not your major. So Sure. So clearly something for everyone, yeah. right? Yes. Ohio, Ohio State yeah. <laughs> offers something in the classroom, on campus, yes. off campus, and beyond. Truly something for everyone, which is fantastic. Absolutely. I really appreciate hearing all about it. My last question, in closing, what are the three top pieces of advice or recommendations you would give to students and their parents getting ready to go through the college application process? I was thinking about this a lot because you'd asked me this question because I have so many things that come to mind. But like I said before, I'm kind of a feeler. So I think a lot about how you feel through the process and how I, I my hope is that there would be some enjoyment in it. I know that it can lean towards stress, but my hope for you students is that as you're like getting curious about what schools offer and what might be a good fit for you or what might be a good major for you, what might be a good environment for you to learn, that you would really enjoy learning more about yourself and about the opportunities. I mean, we have such an amazing, you think about this country and the opportunities, not to mention even, you know, overseas or students that are going to international colleges or universities, but just the opportunities that are available here for you, so many different colleges and universities, and for you to sit back and really take time to think about who you are, what your gifts are, talk to people that are in your life that care about you, that know you, and take time to have, you know, fun conversations about that or ask them questions like, what do you think I would be good at? Or what do you see that I've always been good at since I was young? Or someone that really loves you that loves to brag about you. It could be a parent or guardian. It could be a close friend. You know, try to enjoy some part of this process as much as you can. Think of it as an exercise in learning more about yourself and thinking about how there's so much ahead of you that are, a lot of those things are unknown. You're kind of, you, you're just putting some feelers out there, right? When you submit an application, you may not know if you're going to be as competitive as that school wants or not. You can do your best on the front end to learn about what they say they want and match that up with what you want. I think that's why 
it can help with fit. If you're aware of yourself, it can really help with you figuring out how do I match? This is what they say they care about. This is the type of student they say, that sounds like me. And that's probably a good place to consider applying and somewhere that you might be a good fit. So I want my advice to take some time to reflect and include people in your life that care about you. I would also say, ask questions and record the answers. And I know that many of you right now, especially um, because of COVID times, you've probably already been on some of these virtual events that colleges are doing. Don't hesitate to ask questions. There are, I, I, I know people say this in school a lot, but there really are no dumb questions. I literally have a job because this process is not always intuitive. Hello? <laughs> it's just the truth of it. And every school is saying they're doing the same, you know, they're doing the same process, but we do it differently. So it's okay to ask questions, whether you're asking that question to yourself and then you go to their website and look it up, or you can't find it there, so you reach out to someone like me, or you attend a virtual event and you're recording. And I'm, what I mean to say is, don't just ask those questions, write down what some of those answers are. Because as you're starting to compare schools, hopefully what I told you today tells you you should put your effort towards the application at Ohio State, not towards visiting 10 times. I want you to visit. Don't get me wrong. But you know, some school, you know, scheduling an interview, you don't have to worry about that for Ohio State. But other schools on your list, as you're recording the answers to their questions, they might have a different deadline. They might have different requirements, more essays. So keeping track of that. And someone told me once, because of financial aid, there's a lot of deadlines too. Look at the earliest deadline. And if you meet that earliest deadline, you know, for us, we're November 1st, early action. There might be someone that's earlier. If you meet that deadline for everybody, you're done. You're good to go, right? If you take that earliest one and you back everything up according to that earliest one, then you're not going to be working on things for the next 10 months. You figure, finish it all at that time, and then it's submitted. So you've met all the rest of them that are behind it. That's an, an, an opportunity. It's a great piece of advice, just yeah. planning ahead. Great advice. Planning ahead because then you know you've made it. And so I think deadlines especially are important. Um, we always talk about that in financial aid or in admissions because of the fact that we can't possibly include everyone in consideration for scholarships. We have to kind of narrow that down at some point. And most schools are that way, you know. So that's why I say ask those questions, but record those answers somehow that works for you, whether it's in Excel, whether it's in the notes in your phone, whether it's in, you know, handwritten something, you've got categories, you've got post-it notes. Find a system that works for you and do that. And don't be afraid to ask those questions to the people that are here to help. Um, and then lastly, I would say, hmm, that's my last piece of advice. I think visiting obviously is so very important, but I understand that that's not always possible for everyone. You know, I work with out-of-state students. It costs money to visit. I understand that. If you are someone who really wishes you could visit a school, but you can't, you know, asking your admissions counselor to get the best feel of that possible, possibly to talk with a current student. You know, I've had students do that, and I really appreciate that because they're like, you know, I'm not able to visit campus. That's ideal. You know, for you to be able to visit all the schools that are on your list, it's ideal. But it may not be possible before you hear back or, you know, in time before you have to make a commitment. And that happened before. But ask your admissions counselor folks to say, can I connect with somebody, either a current student that's from my area, someone in my major, a faculty member. Believe it or not, even at a large school like Ohio State, I've done some pretty catered things for students that are admitted that are like, I want to be here, but I need to know more. Let us know that. It may be more possible than you realize, and we really want to make sure that we can be accessible to you, especially if you've been admitted. We want you to have that access. So I think those are those are the ones top of mind. So those, am I missing anything? I mean, you, I feel <laughs> there's more amazing. I can talk about. <laughs> you are amazing. You did an oh. awesome job, and I think it's great advice. The first, you talk about fit. 
you know, we talk about how the college admissions process is a bunch of representatives, in your case, taking a holistic approach to see if the student could be admitted to, in this case, Ohio State. But I think it's very important for the students to do their research to see if Ohio State is truly a fit for them as well. So it's a two-way street. The second piece of advice, ask questions, Mm -hmm. ask questions, ask questions. It seems simple, but in order Mm -hmm. to answer, I guess, Mm -hmm. the first question, that's really what you have to do. And lastly, I love the idea of speaking to a current student, particularly if the school is so far away and due to COVID or other reasons, it's not so easy for Mm -hmm. you to go to campus. Speaking to a current student and not being afraid to ask Whatever's important to you. Yes. If you're interested in sororities yes. and fraternities and, yeah, you know, the social, mm-hmm. may I say, party yes. life. Ask about it. Yeah. Ask. I mean, if that's mm-hmm. something that you're curious yes. about, whether it's something ask that mm-hmm. you don't want to take part in or you do want to take part in, don't be bashful. That's right. You're trying to find a place where you're going to spend the next four years of your life at least. And so you want to do everything that you can to make sure you make the right choice for yourself so that you know, you could just have the best four years of your life during college. So, Lauren, you're amazing. Oh, no. I, I This is so helpful for me to just process it, too, because I think, you know, I counsel students on this process every day, and I think it's so... You take for granted what you do and don't know. There are some things that as I learn, as I try to explain it, I'm like, that's not as easy for students to understand. How can I make that easier for students to understand? And I think honest conversations, like you just said, asking an honest question to a current student or someone you know that went there or, you know, I know we have had concerns. People have had concerns about being in a city area. You know, Columbus is a really special city, but it's a city. You're not coming to small towns. Small towns have their own challenge. You know, they have their own dynamics. You're coming to a city area. And so I think when I, I love when families ask me, and that's what I love about my territory. I get a lot of honest questions and I am here for honest, direct questions. And I think having those honest conversations with your families too, you know, is so students so helpful, you know, talking about how are we going to pay for this you know I, I know my parents didn't always want to talk about money and growing up and that's something we talk about as an adult <laughs> now right they didn't tell me how much they made I didn't know all that but knowing enough to know what am I responsible for when it comes to contributing to this having those honest conversations inside your group of you know your safe people your people that are your go-to that are helping you with this and also asking those honest questions I think This is how we do it. And that's what this is. Hopefully this was an honest conversation that was helpful to somebody that's listening. I really hope that it's helpful and encouraging. It was definitely an honest conversation. And again, I thank you so much for your time and giving the insight into the process. The advice that you gave to students and parents is just so valuable. You were awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, go Buckeyes, I guess, right? Yes, go Buckeyes. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) OH, I'm so grateful. (laughs) You got to do an IO. Got to do an OH IO. That's a call and response, John. You got to do If I say OH, you got to say IO. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, we got this. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much for having me. I love Syacid. I love being here. So I'm so grateful. I wish everybody the best. Yes. Thank you again, Lauren. We really appreciate the conversation. You're the best. Awesome. I really hope everyone enjoyed this episode of The Cap with Lauren Heatherly from The Ohio State University, who I thought gave a thorough and honest look at the college admissions process while providing excellent guidance to students and parents. One of the things Lauren spoke about is the importance of highlighting the activities you care about and how you've developed in those activities over time 
so that the admissions representatives can get a better sense of who you are as a person. When speaking of college admissions and all of the pieces that an admissions representative looks at, Lauren made the analogy of a table with nine legs and how eight of them are more than enough to hold up the entire table. Of course, doing your best to get good grades is important, but so is understanding that there are many other aspects to a college application that go into the holistic approach used at Ohio State and many other schools, such as the activities you've taken part in and how you've developed and contributed to those programs over the years. A common misconception is that we should start talking about the college process once we are in 11th grade, but thinking about college early is so important to ensure that you've taken this kind of advice into consideration at a young age so that you can develop and contribute to whatever activities you enjoy, whether it's athletics, art, music, or volunteering your time to help others. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with others, especially those who will be going through the admissions process, as our goal is to help as many students and parents as possible. Also, if you have any questions you want me to cover on an upcoming episode or you have any comments, please feel free to email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.